Welcome to Nuanced Beauty. This podcast is intended to be a spot where my husband Bill and I will capture some complex thoughts and challenge us to hold to our opinions loosely so that we can see the beauty in others and the beauty in ourselves. I want to challenge us to dive deeper into those everyday topics and those sticky topics that we might shy away from or we might bulldoze over others with our opinions. Because I think there's wisdom in this idea that if we all thought exactly the same, there would be no need for anyone else. So let's have a conversation and let's get nuanced. Welcome back to this week's episode of Nuance Beauty. I'm Christina and I have Bill here. Hey, everybody. And yeah. Uh, so before we get started, uh, I want to address the the little square icon in the upper left of the podcast, the one that you know, has our title card. That's the word. Uh, when, this, uh, when this podcast started, this was Christina's podcast and I had this beautiful rose vine word nuanced it was very it was very beautiful but it was very feminine and i said when i was going to be part of this podcast i'd like a more gender neutral a little bit less feminine uh uh title card and so christina went to her uh her niece who does who does art and uh had her make a, a second title card and she put boobs on it i don't know if you guys have noticed this there was there was the, the there was two well stacked rack, well stacked front rack. and center with the uh, raindrops. So two equally sized raindrops just just pushed together. Um, they're just these perky raindrops, <laughs> and uh, that's that's not the the ma- the masculine um, uh, type of title card that I, I was looking for, but it made me giggle, so I I left it in, even though it was the first thing I thought I saw, mm-hmm. and. About three quarters of the, of the people we talked to, whether we solicited the question or not, uh, yeah, pointed out that our title card looked like boobs, which again made me giggle uh, yeah, a, yeah. a lot. But we did make the change, um, so it's a little bit less, uh, you know, visually uh, deterring, distracting, visually distracting from the, the, the beauty. I can't think of something least raindrops being metaphorical to represent having a conversation and ripples and. People bouncing. It's a metaphor. Bouncing. <laughs> <laughs> well, bouncing raindrops. I don't. I don't know what your mind thinks so, that having boots on the title card would be a deterrent. If anything, that'd be uh, very attractive. So, if um, you notice, there is a third uh, logo out there, and it's just slightly tweaked, where there's kind of some depth to the raindrops hitting the water and creating some ripples. So, you're welcome. And if you didn't notice. Now you You're do. probably a normal human being and just listen to the podcast. And I appreciate you so much for doing that. Uh, okay. So this week's topic, uh, I got this kind of third hand, but I was, I was listening to a podcast and they were discussing Chelsea Handler, uh, who guest hosted the daily show, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago. I don't know how old the video I was watching was, but if you don't know who Chelsea Handler is like, God love you. Like it's, uh, she's a comedian. She's not a very funny one, uh, but that's okay. Not everyone's not every, everyone's comedians not for everybody. Comedian, <laughs> even comedians, even comedians aren't really comedians. Uh, and and she definitely wasn't because she spent like the first you know fifteen minutes of the show just diatribing on how she does not want children, and she is tired of being 
asked why she doesn't want children. And she spent most of the time just um, bragging about how awesome her life is. Like, here's a picture of me climbing a mountain. And here's a picture of me smoking a joint in a hot tub. Look, look how great my life is. And the video was set up that I was watching uh, to, to lambast this woman, and, and deservedly so. But it really, as, as we were thinking about it and talking about it, I realized that people ask people who don't have children, why do we have children all or the like, time? When are you going or when children? are you going to have children? Yeah. And as as awareness of people who have uh, had miscarriages or struggle to conceive, conceive uh, as, as more of that awareness is out there, people are more sensitive to it. But the question is still out there all the time. Mm-hmm. The question that's never out there is, why do you have kids? Or why, why did you have why kids? Why did you have kids? Yeah. And as, as I was kind of meditating on this, I realized I don't I don't really know. And, and it's interesting because I, I know why I have the job that I have. I know why I married the woman I married. I know why I have a four-bedroom house. I know why I bought a 2017 Ford Focus. I can talk actually for a while about that Ford Focus. But I cannot tell you succinctly... Why we, why we chose to have kids? Why we have And my entire life is oriented about these two children in our house. And everything I do is in service of their well-being and their, like, to grow them into, into, into human beings. And I do not know why we did this. Right. So if we, like, we, Bill brought this question to me and he asked it and I'm like, well, because we were going to have two kids. We said we were going to have two kids. Mm-hmm. Like we, um, when we were dating, we definitely had conversations about what the future would be like. And one of those combos definitely was, oh, do you want to have kids? How many kids do you want to have? And I think we both just agreed like, oh, two, two's the number. You have two kids. I was a family of two kids. You were a family of two kids growing mm-hmm. up. I assume that's where the number came from. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, as you can see, it was not an examined thought. It was two 19-year-olds who were engaged saying, two, 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 you think two? Yeah. I probably put more thought into, you know, what appetizers we were going to get before dinner that night. Like, oh, you want to do the queso? Two two, two kids? Right, exactly. It's kind of in the same tone. Yeah, and then, like, you know, you fast forward in life and... We did like we had careers and it felt like at least for me, we were kind of like, I don't know, five years into our marriage. And we were kind of wondering at that point, or at least Bill was asking me and not in like a pressure, like, are we going to do this or not? (laughs) But just kind of, you know, like, okay, is it time or should we like, because I think that's the other component is we did actually have a timeline when we said we were going to have two, I think we pictured having them in our late twenties and we were like, you know, 28 ish or something or 27 ish. And we're like, well, that was framed around our careers because, uh, because of the school we went to, we had to sail or I had to anyway, because of just whatever the career track trajectory was for exactly five years. Mm -hmm. And so it was, after that case. Yeah, yeah. And that would put us in our late 20s. That would have, yeah. So, but like, that was okay. why we picked that. Yeah, and there's probably a component for me of like, okay, well, we'll be established in our careers and we'll have a little bit of money and like we'll be somewhat in a good spot to have kids. So then, you know, we got to the point where we're in our late 20s and Bill's like, okay, so are we gonna, you know, do this or should we like reconsider? Are we gonna push this out? Like where, you know, where are we at? And at that time, we kind of just decided to stop not trying, and it happened very quickly. And we oh, yeah. had a kid number one. 
Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it happened. It was, we were having theoretical conversations when I was probably pregnant. You were probably already pregnant. And I I remember being very, very clear in that conversation because as much as I'm the one sitting here saying, why do we do this? Why do we do this? (laughs) As my kid's currently having a tantrum in his room because I wouldn't let him go try to find his Minecraft sticker book (laughs) because it's an hour past his bedtime and I'm not going to let him turn the lights on and he's having a tantrum. Sorry. We did it. We did. We did the thing. <laughs> we did the uh, thing. But I was kind of the, the driver um, of you bringing the conversation up. But I also like didn't want to put that pressure on because you were going back to sea. You're loving being at sea. And I was kind of like, so are, are we? Are we not? Can we, like, we could have the conversation. We're allowed to talk about it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But yeah, there was um, this sense of like, okay, we're kind of at our timeline. We're kind of at this like thought process that we had originally. Do we need to reassess and all we've that? Met the, we've met the first quarter goals. Yeah, yeah, we met the first quarter goals. Now we're moving forward. And um, of course, like I said, we we had combos. We said, we're going to stop not trying. And I like to say that God's like, yep, okay, boom. boom. And here's your first. <laughs> so like, that's our perspective, right? Mm-hmm. But like, what else could we like kind of dabble into this? Like, we're obviously Christians. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective and that timeline, it feels almost like, culturally um appropriate and i guess whether you're christian or secular there's like a sense of um being in a committed relationship having a stable home and job and then having kids and by no means does everybody do that but that's kind of the um ideal because we do have that sense of like um like there there is a good way of like, I don't know, it's good, good even to write, like, because I don't want to be a jerk here and be like, oh, if well, you don't do it in this order, it's no We good. can call it I- ideal. Yeah, an uh, ideal. And I'll, I'll tell you, there's there's nothing that's made me respect single moms more than parenting with a spouse because, oh, my God, would this be so hard to do on your own? So yeah. I, I've, I've reflected on that a lot about uh, the moms who did it on their own. My mom. Right. And the, my, my parents divorced very early and remarried. and. Mm-hmm. Had my brother as a teen parents. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, not to n- none of this is to cast aspersions, but uh, there there have been studies, and I, I don't know what they are. I've, I've read them at some point. They, right. they talk about outcomes of children from single fa- uh, single parent homes versus uh, within a married, and and the out the outcomes are are, are better. So we we would put a religious cast to it because we received we our instruction see. in that way. But yeah. the the outcomes are the outcomes, mm-hmm. and so there is validity to. Th- things should go in a certain order, mm-hmm. and this is the, the the plot line of your life. So that's yeah, supposed to go committed couple, on and, purpose. and then on purpose, and it's it makes for maybe potentially uh, a kinder upbringing yeah. for the kids. the The double edge of that, though, is the first ten minutes or so of the movie Idiocracy, which if you haven't seen the first ten minutes of the movie Idiocracy, pause this podcast right now. It's on YouTube. <laughs> And it's worth the watch. The whole movie's worth the watch. But the first 10 minutes could be a standalone short film about uh, a divergence in cultures wherein uh, one group of people wants their life to be perfect before they start having kids. So like, oh, kids in this economy? Oh, no. Uh, not no. For, first, I have to be at director level. And so they put off and put off and put off having kids. Mm. Uh, and they're talking about like the affluent upper middle class uh, white people like doing this. Yeah, uh, so this like idea that you have to have financial stability in order to have kids, or that like what ended up happening is that you end up forty five and you think, 
oh yeah, I can have kids at 45. It's actually really freaking hard. <laughs> yeah. So you're, yeah, you're freezing you're eggs, you're doing IVF, even in your 30, 36 or whatever, your geriatric pregnancy, which I think is some problematic language, Yeah. Uh, but they use it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, me- meanwhile, 36 or is it 34? Whatever. It's too young to be called geriatric know, regardless. Yes. Uh, so, you know, there's, there is uh, validity to the uh, wanting your life to be somewhat stable, which is, you know, a desire we had, but then. We also were seeing this, that the average age of a woman becoming pregnant jumped from like 22 to 28 in the last five years or something like that. I'm, I'm completely making up numbers, but the, the age is going up. Right. And I would say even like from a, like from a female perspective, like uh, we're, we're really chasing after these careers and chasing after a family. So buying into that concept of you can have it all and you can do it all, but there's really sacrifices to be had. So like you mentioned, like we think it'll be easy to just postpone having kids and push that into our thirties. Um, and, uh, that like, what was that? You told me that movie. It was a baby mama. It was baby mama. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, there's some quote in there about, uh, to become a CEO, like the youngest female CEO means I'm the oldest mom at preschool. And so it kind of paints a picture of that tension that we feel toward wanting to succeed in the workplace and wanting to succeed as families. And, Obviously, I mean, we would challenge even that stereotype because we're both pretty involved parents and we we both get so annoyed with some of these tropes of like the female being the one wanting a family and needing to be most in the family and the guys are checked out or most in the career, but they still or stand. The stereotypes Dopish, doltest, incompetent fathers, as you'll see in any 90s sitcom going all the way back through the Simpsons, going back to the honeymooners, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the, the, the idea of women balancing the workforce and uh, uh, childbearing. That's, that's a whole nother episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's that, sure. there's that cover. Was it time or the Atlantic? They had like the woman in the business suit with one boob out breastfeeding. I don't know. Like, and she had, she had like, the, they had like the wonder woman pose. Cause she was having it all, you know? Yeah. And it's like, there's uh choices to be made yeah. and there's balance to be found. And, we can't really have it all without sacrifice. It's 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Time is finite. Your it's resources not about and attention are finite. Any one person's competence. It's about just your bandwidth of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, and then, though, there would be, like, because we really haven't touched on the fact that there are some folks who like really wanted to have kids. Like they've known they wanted to have kids their whole life. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, that is, they want a family or they want it and they now have a family. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to uh, early in our marriage, chatting with a fellow alumni uh, gal and we were chat- chatting over Facebook messenger or something. And she said something like, Oh, can't you just like, or, you just can't wait to have kids, right? Or something like that. And of course me, like, uh, it wasn't in my timeline for us to jump to start a family. So I have no idea how I responded, but I'm sure it was awkward. Like, uh, yeah, maybe eventually like, yeah, we're going to have two. (laughs) And then like conversation totally fizzled out because we were not like jiving on that topic because like, this person was like, yeah, I can't wait to have kids. You I answered it like how kids. someone would talk about life insurance. He was like, yeah, yeah, I should, I should really get me one of those life insurance policies. That's, that's, that's important. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I probably did. And of course, yeah. like it sounded totally not emotional. There was no lovey dovey. Like I can't wait to nope, have it was kids. Just, it was just part of the plan and the plan was executed. Yeah. 
so like we, you know, maybe like for us, this question is an interesting question, but for some, I think they're like, well, of course I wanted kids, but I almost wonder if like to go back to your intro, people will ask like why you don't want to have kids, but they don't necessarily ask why, why you had kids. I mean, maybe sometimes, but, or like, why did you want to have kids? Mm -hmm. That question just isn't posed often because it's almost like assumed once you have kids, you must have wanted kids or or if you didn't, you don't want to dance with the, asking that question. The, whoops question, the, the was this a whoops kid? Yeah. yeah you don't. You want to do the math and be like, you were, you were, oh, you were only fifteen. Like that question. Like, yeah. I don't think I've ever run into that scenario. Where you come, like you know, mm-hmm. fa- I shouldn't share family like, stuff. Like, about like folks do. Um, folks do ask about number of kids, and that's something you've discovered since moving to the south. Is people yeah. ask, well, ask like more invasive questions, like, oh, why the age gap? What happened between yeah, those two? Culturally, like that is something that we've totally observed since going from the Northwest to the Southeast that um, I was having a conversation with a gal and with my kiddos and we have a six-year-old and a uh, kiddo turning two this summer. So they have three and a half, four and a half years between them, four and a half years between them. Good math, huh? Four and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but, um, so for, someone had asked like, Oh, um, why the gap? And, um, it may have been a question. And I, I, by no means am I like offended that she asked the question. I was just surprised by the question because no one had ever asked me that because I don't know, like it just, it never came up in conversation that I had a gap in my kids ages. And I also, I feel like in the Northwest, a lot of friends that we knew had one kid or two kids and they really did like, they tried as hard as they could, and you can't control these things, but they tried to plan them and potentially did space them out too. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there, there's too many opportunities for that question to have a really sad answer that you don't just have that casually. Like, Yeah, yeah, and that's the other potential. It's like, yeah. was there a gap be- mm-hmm. because... Culturally, we're afraid of having... Hard- baby and, yeah. yeah, we're so afraid of having hard conversations Yeah, that we just don't want to ask. And that said, like, I truly appreciate this person asking because no one's asked me that um because i i just didn't even think about it Mm -hmm. but along the lines of culture i do feel like here um something that is really um stood out is just how kid friendly it is um we needed to go get a homestead tax thing we had to go to a courthouse slash whatever like a government property building Mm -hmm. and we brought our toddler and she handed him a pen and he's like chewing on the pen. And we ended up saying something to like justify that he's chewing on the pen. And this lovely gal is like, oh, no, it's not a problem at all. I have a two or three year old at home. Mm-hmm. And regularly uh, people since I remember the first week we got here going to the store and pushing a stroller and a person turned and saw that I had a kid and they like they lit up and they held the door open for me mm-hmm. and they were like ooing and eyeing at the baby. And this was like a, a middle aged dude or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it was such a shocker to see how much people were valuing the presence of kids and then like going back to that lovely uh tax you know government example we felt the need to justify what our kid was doing or like kind of like make a joke or something like why Mm -hmm. he was acting up or whatever a little bit seeking that it's okay from them yeah like almost like yeah seeking an okay that my kid's like chewing on this pin because i feel a little bad but i also don't want to discipline him for this because this this is pretty dumb but just he was entertaining himself is all we could ever want yeah but it just there is a sense of families are are welcome here and and i say that 
not to say that families aren't welcome in the Northwest, but to say that I could almost see people wanting to have kids here because kids are out in public Mm -hmm. regularly. Like we did not going to the grocery store. You rarely saw families. I always see families here. Like people leave their kids with the nanny. They don't take them out to restaurants. Like there's a clear separation of the adults doing adult things in Mm -hmm. Seattle and keeping your kids at home or keeping your kids in kids areas. Mm -hmm. And that divide isn't here. And I think when you do see more people out and about with kids, you feel a a greater sense of affection. Like, Oh, families are good. Yeah. And I, I've always gotten a lot of smiles from when Zeke was a baby, but that's just because the expectations for dads are so small. Oh, that's a good point. Just me pushing a car with a baby in it. Like I've gotten so much, like you're such a good dad's. From mm-hmm. just like random people, I, and I get a lot here. It's like walking, Still, yeah. I just walking like Aaron around the neighborhood. I get like cat called from old ladies, like <laughs> you're such a good dad. Uh, and I was like, yeah. and I, I'm on one hand, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm offended that the expectation of men are so small. On the other hand, I'm like, oh, really? That's such a good I'm dad. such a good. Oh, <laughs> the affection's so nice. I, I could, I could just eat, eat that up. But uh, uh, yeah, but you're absolutely right about that. Uh, I don't, I don't know how much you're right because I'm going to reference an internet argument that I witnessed once about someone saying, oh, why should I have to deal with your snot-nosed crotch goblin in, in the grocery store just because you couldn't find a babysitter? And the pushback was, who gets a babysitter to go to the grocery store? <laughs> a, but also, like, how is that child ever going to learn how to act Interact. in public yeah. if you yeah. don't take them out in public? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm but, just saying what we observed. But to, you know, a certain group of childless, probably very young people, to like, why do I need to interact with this thing? And so we were at a, a friend's house, and um, they had a bunch of like younger, younger friends, younger singles and couples. We yes. were the only people there with, with children. Zeke. Yep. And uh, seeing Zeke try to interact with them, and them completely freezing up. Like one person was pretty affectionate, and then the rest of them were like, "Oh my I am, gosh, I don't even know what to do with this thing." I am not casting stones. <laughs> yeah, cause because we were like that too. I let me tell this story. Uh, Christina's good friend is a kindergarten teacher. She teaches other kids now, right? Yeah, I think she's yeah. second grade now. At yes. the time, she was a kindergarten teacher, and we went and visited her classroom. And they're like, "Yeah, come in, play with the kids, whatever." Which is actually kind of weird now that we have kids in school. Like, he just let random like friends of the teacher anyway, but they did. This is rural Missouri, um, and like the kids like, "Hey, want to play blocks?" I'm like, "Ah, duh, duh, I'm gonna go," and I ran. Like I actually ran out of. The, I had like how do I do not know how to interact with children. Yeah, and I still like kids that are older than our oldest. I kind of really don't know because I don't know where they're at developmentally. I kind of know zero to six because I had one. Mm-hmm. So like, I can't, I'm not casting stones on these people. My point right. is though, that uh, because kids are seen as separate in, in other parts of like this country's culture, yeah, you don't get to interact with them and they don't know how to do and the then thing. You don't know, yeah. And, and, and we could also just add a quick thing. Like Zeke was our first diaper change for yeah. both of us. We called the nurse in and we're like, Oh my gosh, he went poop. What do we do? And the lady like helped us, but that she also lady. she also was like not interested in helping us. Like you called me in here for this. There was a record number of so, births that night. She was very busy. Yeah, yeah, but we had no clue. So we had our fair share. At least I did too. Like I had my fair share of like I don't know how to interact with kids, but there is a level of ignoring or never seeing kids mm-hmm. that it's almost like you don't even know where to start because yeah. they're just never around. 
And we're both so, the youngest in our families, so. Yeah. But uh, I think. Uh, so this provided no answers. Yep. Uh, it and just, that was the point. But it was an interesting question that came up that, again, we have so oriented my life around the institution of fatherhood and raising these two children. Mm-hmm. And I, it wasn't exactly an examined thought. And like, there's, there's more I can say about this. We're well over time now. Uh, and it'd just be speculation anyway. But what do you think? Uh, hit us up on Instagram. If you have kids, why did you have kids? Like, g- give me an answer other than, and it's okay if this was the answer. Well, you know, God said for us to multiply, which is true, but don't sit in the bedroom being like, well, I don't want to, but God said so. Like, that's not <laughs> conversation. That's that have, conversation like, you might have that conversation about tithing. You might have that conversation around, you know, any number of other things that, that God might command. But no one's saying, like, I wouldn't, but, you know, God said to. So let's, let's hit it. Um, so, yeah, there, there's truth to it, but I, I don't think that's actually anyone's heart and motivation. Right. So I'm curious so for yeah, those that have, have thought kids. about this. Yeah. What do you think? Hit us up on at nuanced underscore beauty. Yes. We're going to remember it one of these days. At nuanced underscore beauty on Instagram. And uh, yeah, with that, uh, we'll call it a wrap. Yep, let's wrap it. Thanks, everybody. All right, this is the part of the podcast where we recommend a book for this week. Yes, and as a reminder, the intent is not necessarily to make this a book club or that you read every single book we suggest every week. No, that'd be entirely too many books. All this is just coming from the fact that a lot of the conversations we've had and the conversations that we've wanted to share have come from books that we've read and and topics that we enjoy. So uh, with all the books out there, sometimes it's hard to choose what you like. So this is our contribution. Yeah, and we generally hope that it ties in a little bit with the episode. This week's book recommendation is called Glory in the Ordinary by Courtney Riesig. Uh, The subtitle is Why Your Work in the Home Matters to God. Um, It's If you look up this book, you're going to see it's a beautiful off-white book cover and the word glory is written in cursive and there's these beautiful flowers placed throughout in the word. And I'm guessing when you see that, you're going to immediately get the vision that this book, um, the intended audience, is likely a female reader and likely someone who is a Christian. Um, And the thing that I really enjoyed about this book is she did into the concept of work and um, how um, work in the home uh, can feel like meaningless because it's not out there in the workforce, you're not being paid for it, and it's just kind of ordinary, mundane, day-to-day operations, and it needs to get done, but it's not, it's not beautiful, it's not uh, dreamy, right? And um, but these tasks still matter and they matter a lot. And there is meaning to this work, even though it's kind of boring, right? Um, and so I had read this book after we had our son, Zeke. I think I heard an interview with the author. And um, what I appreciated out of it was the perspective shift that it gave me. Because as I somewhat shared in this episode, when we had our first kiddo, it was a career change for me. And I had to wrestle with that. Um, I had to wrestle with what life looked like as a family and changing jobs and changing my priorities. 
because work was definitely a high priority um, it be in our household. And work still matters, but I had to redefine what work looked like. And um, I appreciated how she kind of shared the um, the um, working outside of the home, how that has evolved over time and how both, uh, both spouses working, what that has kind of evolved. And, um, I think she even put some interesting tidbits in there about like conveniences in the home. And I may be getting books mixed up here, but like the idea of a microwave and a dishwasher, how those appliances were supposed to free up time and energy so that, you know, you didn't have to spend time doing all these tasks at home. They were going to free up your time, right? And um, they are conveniences. I don't know how much of a time saver they are, but it's it's an interesting thought to consider. So uh, again, that book is Glory in the Ordinary uh, by Courtney Riesig. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in today. We have made it to February, uh, three months running. Thank you, thank you for tuning in. And um, as mentioned, you can follow us on Instagram at nuanced underscore beauty and uh, shoot me an email at nuancedbeauty at yahoo.com and rate and uh, share the show. Take care.